Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoy today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. Let's pray. Jesus, help us to learn from what you have shown us here in the scripture. Lord, we want to be a people of prayer. We want to be a people who you do not call faithless. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, y'all, go ahead and take a seat. So uh, today's big idea is this. If you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, I'm sorry, you're failing. Write something down, all right? Grab your phone. I'm okay even if you're sitting there like just saying it to your phone quietly. I'm okay with that. Take some notes. I don't know about you all, um, but I learned in science class in high school this one thing that it's not for everybody, but it definitely works for me. If I can see it, if I can hear it, and I can write it down, I memorize it almost every time. So use those senses. I wouldn't say taste it. That would be weird. But hear it, see it, write it down. That'll help you commit it to memory. If you just come and you sit and you just like hear me talking at you, that'll be boring for both of us. So take some notes. The big idea today is this. Healing and miracles come through a repentant and spirit-filled life. Healing and miracles come through a repentant and spirit-filled life. So this, this scripture that, that Shay just read to us, uh, is one of my favorite scriptures uh, in all of the Bible because this man looks at Jesus and he says, I believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. And I don't know about you all, but I can relate to that, right? You're like, Jesus, I'm, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. Like, like maybe 80%. But if you could make up for the 20, that would be great. You ever been there? Maybe you were the 20 and you needed him to make up for the 80, Right? Uh, so I've always related to this scripture, and I'm not going to lie. I had a, like, I, my entire idea is I was going to come here and simply tell you all, believe, but ask God to help you in your unbelief, because sometimes we need that, right? And what we see in this scripture is that, that, that Jesus actually honors the man who's, who straight up says, hey, I need help here, right? And I've always been touched by that. Like, Jesus could have looked at the guy and been like, you're dumb, and walked off, right? But he doesn't. And so I've always been touched by that scripture, and, I, and that was my plan. I was literally going to come here, and I was just going to tell you this, and that was going to be it. And then I really started diving into the scripture, and the Lord had a lot more for me. And I hope that it means something to you this week as well. So my whole life, I've had really bad knees. Anybody else? You got bad knees? And my family, we call them the mickle knees. Like, it's just what it is. We all have bad knees. Um, it's, what's ridiculous about it is my dad has bad knees. His dad had bad knees. I mean, we, we have bad knees, but I didn't, we didn't get the memo. Like, no one told my brother-in-law, I like, hey, hey, slow down. What my dad did was he was like, oh, crap, they're skateboarding. Um, I'm going to go buy them knee pads. And how many of you have ever uh, tried to skateboard or ride a bike or whatever? Okay, did you feel dumb when you put on knee pads or elbow pads or a helmet, right? It's dumb. It's actually smart but you feel dumb, right? You look dumb. And so my dad buys us these knee pads. He doesn't tell us the why. The why is always important, people. He doesn't tell us the why. He just goes, here's some knee pads. 
you're skateboarding. Here's some knee pads. So, of course, we don't use those knee pads. My brother regrets every day not using those knee pads because we got mickle knees. And so I've been praying my whole life, like, Lord, heal my, like, my knee is literally popping every step across this, right, this stage right now. Like, I, I currently have pain in my knee as I'm speaking. Um, in fact, I was really dumb today, and I put on the flattest shoes that I have in my house, and I have not worn these forever because I went to the chiropractor, and he was like, your knees suck because you keep wearing stupid flat shoes. And I'm like, no, they suck because I have mickle knees. Um, I can wear flat shoes. I've been doing it my whole life. Let me tell you right now, I shouldn't be wearing flat shoes. Anyway, so I've been praying for my knees basically since I was 14. I remember I was on a trampoline. I was jumping, jumping, and the next thing you know, my knee was out of place. And I'm climbing, crawling, falling off the trampoline. I remember uh, my freshman year of high school, we did what they called a field day. Field day, they had all these like inflatable things and had this super cool inflatable. Everyone's like rushing over to it. And it's like a bowl, like a mechanical bowl, but it's an inflatable instead, right? And they have four people on each end and they have to pull on this thing and you're supposed to keep on this bowl while everyone's pulling. And I get on the bowl and the dude barely, one guy barely moves it and my knee pops out of place and I fall to the ground in front of all of my classmates. The bowl didn't move. My knee came out of place and I couldn't keep going and everyone's like, what is up with this weakling? Like I felt like trash that day. I got made fun of hardcore. Um, and so anyway, I've got bad knees and I keep praying and they haven't been healed. So I struggle with this. I'm like, Lord, I believe. Like I've seen you heal other people, right? Why not my knees? Why can't you heal my knees? And I've been praying about this even recently because I'm, I'm let's be real, it's been, oh, it's been over 10 years, 15 years of this and I'm still not healed. And anybody been tired of praying for the same thing over and over and over again, right? That's where I've been at. And the Lord reminded me of something, and I think it's extremely important. Um, oftentimes, the Lord does something in our life, and we're stupid, and we forget about it, right? You ever been there? Um, there's an entire book in the Bible following the Israelites, and all the Israelites do is God does something cool for them, and then they forget about it over and over again. You ever read through like the story of, of the Israelites coming out of Egypt and they're like, can we go back? Like how dumb are you, right? And they just forget that God did this amazing thing. He parted the Red Sea. He walked them through it and they're like, but actually slavery was better, right? We do the same thing, but we think the Israelites are dumb for it. So here's something that happened to me. I was I was about 21, 22, and uh, I was an idiot, and I had, I had a car, but I was an idiot, and I tried showing off in front of a girl, and I hit this car against another car in a parking lot, and I, that girl was not my wife, so I'm not going to say any names. Um, so I hit this car in the parking lot. Now, the Lord, uh, I, there's this thing called honesty, and I felt bad, and I really wanted to just drive off, but instead, I go inside to the Red Robin, and I'm like, hey, I just hit some dude's truck in the parking lot can you guys help me figure out whose truck I hit? And they're like, what? I'm like, I, I hit the guy's truck. Like, no, 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 that happens all the time. You're just the first person to ever come in and tell us that you hit someone's truck in the parking lot. So anyway, they help us. I lose my license, or not my license, but I lose my mom's insurance because of that. And so now I can't drive. So I'm riding a bike. I'm 21. I was just trying to show off to a girl, and now I'm on a bike, right? I'm in a great place in my life. And... Um, so I'm riding this bike. It's pouring down rain. I know you guys don't know what that's like, but in Washington, it rains a lot. So I'm riding in the rain. I have this big, puffy reflector jacket on, and uh, I had just bought a headlight for my bike. 
And I accidentally left it at my church, which is where I'm working. I was a janitor. Uh, let me tell you all, I'm a horrible janitor, so I should not have been having this job. Uh, but I'm riding my bike. I'm trying to get to the church, and I see this car coming, and he does not look like he's going to stop at this stop sign. And I'm riding my bike. I got my reflector jacket on. I know it's raining, but there's lights. I know I don't have a headlight, but I got my reflector jacket on. I'm good. You can see me. I'm a big guy, right? Big reflector jacket. This thing is puffy. You know, like, this is like Cool Runnings puffy when they go to Canada and they're like, I'm not smoking, I'm breathing that, right? Like, it's a huge, huge jacket, right? And I see this guy, he doesn't look like he's going to stop, and then he finally stops. I'm like, okay, cool, cool, I'm good. He's a little over that line, but he must have saw me because he stopped. So I proceed through the crosswalk on my bike, and he never saw me. Punches it, boom, now I am folded on his hood, my car or my bike under his car. Some lady stops in the middle of the road. I saw the whole thing. Do you want me to call the cops? And I just pop up like, I'm good. I'm good. Like, I got it. And Lee's like, I can call the cops. I'm like, it's fine. He's like, dude, I'll buy you a new bike. I'm so sorry. I hate you. I'm like, it's good. It's good. So he, I get in this guy's car that just hit me. He drives me to my church. Uh, where I was going to go get my headlight that really would have helped me in this situation. Now I don't even have a bike for it. And I'm sitting there, my adrenaline is running. I'm like, I'm good. He's like, are you sure you're good? I'm like, I'm good. I'm good. I'm just going to work. We'll be fine. The guy leaves. I go, I get some water. I sit down and the adrenaline goes away. And now I'm in a lot of pain. My entire back in constant pain for the next three years. Just, I mean, there's days I couldn't get out of bed. Um, I didn't have health insurance, or maybe I just didn't understand how health insurance worked because I was like 20. And so I, I didn't want to go to the doctor. And I remember just constantly being in this pain. And one day, a friend of mine, he just sends me a YouTube video. And I don't know about y'all, but I don't like watching things people send me on YouTube because I feel like we probably don't have the same sense of humor. Quit sending me these links. Um, this guy sends me this YouTube link, and it's called The Normal Christian Life. And in this YouTube video, I'm like, crap, here's some cheesy Christian thing. I am a Christian, love Jesus. Uh, but here is some stupid, cheesy Christian video of these guys walking around, probably offending people in public, right? Uh, here we go. So I press play on this video. I'm taking way too long to tell the story. So I press play on this video. And in uh, the video, these guys are walking up and they start praying for people on the street. There's a homeless guy. Uh, I think he was like an ex-vet. He's in a wheelchair. They pray for him. He gets healed. He walks up out of this thing. I'm like, that's dope. Uh, okay. So I keep watching the video. It's like an hour long. And people keep getting healed. And this guy keeps looking in the camera and he goes, this should be our life. If you are a Christian and you're not seeing this, something is wrong. This should be our life. And at the end of the video, he looks at, he looks at the camera and he says, this should be our life so much that I believe that even if you were at home watching this video six years from when I put it out, that you can be healed in this moment if you just pray with me. And the guy prays for me, or prays, prays in this video. I'm laying in bed. My back is killing me. I really don't want to get out of bed because I'm in so much pain. And immediately I'm healed in my bedroom with this YouTube video. And I forgot about it. I went on with my life. My back didn't hurt anymore, so I could go and do the things that I wanted to do that I couldn't before. I was able to get out of bed again, um, and I just forgot. And I was sitting here going, God, you never heal me. I've been praying for these knees for years, and you never heal me. I believe, but help my unbelief. 
why can't you heal my knees? Lord, you never do that. And the Lord just recently, I mean, this is like just within the last few weeks, he just said, you're back. And I'm like, I'm a jerk. <laughs> like, I, I, here I am, like, mad at God, but it was me. Like, like always. Yeah. Always. So true. So, so let's, let's get to the scripture. Now you understand why I identify with this man. But let's, let's look at the scripture. So in scripture, especially in Mark, there's this really cool thing called the Mark sandwich. Anybody ever heard of the Mark sandwich before? My wife, did I just teach you it? Dang it. Uh. The Mark sandwich. Everybody write this down. The Mark sandwich. This is going to help you in your Bible study going forward, okay? I, I heard this recently in a sermon. Uh, blew my mind. So Mark does this thing, and if you've ever read through Mark, you, you may have noticed this, but Mark does this thing where he starts talking about a subject, and it's good, like meat, 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 meat. This is great stuff. I should say bread, 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 because my, my sandwich analogy. But So he starts giving you some good stuff, right? And then out of nowhere, he starts talking about something that makes no sense in comparison to what you just read. Still good, but it makes no sense, right? And then he goes back to what he was talking about at first. So it's like he has two pieces of bread, but right in the middle, there's this weird thing that doesn't make sense. So there's this thing, it's called the Mark Sandwich, and what is really important about the Mark Sandwich, the so next time you guys go to read Mark, is remember, the meat always matters to the two pieces of bread. So when you read what Mark is talking about, you might think this is random. It makes no sense to what he was just talking about and what he then went and talked about. But if you pause and you look, you will always see that there's a theme. There's always a theme consistent throughout all three things, right? So it's important, right? Because like who wants to have a beautiful piece of sourdough bread, right? And then motor oil and then another piece of sourdough bread. Nobody, right? Griffin, you want that sandwich? Didn't think so. Thank you for being my patsy. So what matters, it matters what you put in the middle, right? It has to make sense. You, I, have you ever had a PB&J on sourdough bread before? N I've never. That sounds horrible, actually. Like that, that nice, soury taste with your jelly? Yeah, see, thanks. I appreciate it. Disgusting. Right? What ma it matters what you put in the middle of the bread. It always has to go together. There's things you put with sourdough, and there are things that you put with the cheap dollar Franz loaf, right? And that's PB&J, okay? So the Mark sandwich matters. So let's look at this Mark sandwich that's taking place right here in the middle of this scripture. So a little bit of background. Uh, Mark chapter 9 and Luke chapter 9, they're kind of following together here, and it's really cool. Uh, but Luke chapter 9 shows us that Jesus had just taken his disciples, and he told them, I'm sending you guys out two by two. He separates them and says, go out. I want you to preach the good news to people. I want you to heal them, and I want you to cast out demons. So he tells his people to go do this. I don't know about y'all, um, but when I read the Bible, Jesus does a lot of walking, and he does a lot of casting out demons, right? Now, I don't think demons just disappeared. Um, I think they're still here. And Jesus keeps casting them out. So I'm just saying, maybe we need to be a little more alert to what's going on in the spiritual realm, right? So Jesus sends them out and he says, go do this. And the scripture says, and they did so. So scripture tells us that the disciples had just cast out demons from people and now here we are a few verses later and they can't cast out this demon. So they have, had, they have seen it. They've done it. Okay, that's super important. So then we get to this Mark sandwich. So Mark chapter nine, 
verses 1 through 13 talks about the transfiguration. Anybody ever heard of the transfiguration? Transfiguration is this super awesome moment where Jesus is just with a few of his disciples. They go up on a mountain, and uh, Moses and Elijah appear to them, and God speaks, and he's like, this is my son, yo. I've been serious this whole time. This is him. This is the Messiah. And Jesus does this thing where he predicts his own death right in front of his disciples, and they don't get it. They predict, he, he tells them, I'm going to die. I'm going to be betrayed. Scripture is so clear that the son of man will be betrayed. And that is going to happen. So there's this cool story. And then boom, we jump to this demon uh, possessed boy. The demon possessed boy t- takes place, gets cast out. And then boom, what does Jesus do again at the end of Mark chapter nine? If everybody has their Bibles, you can see it. It's super Super cool. Sometimes those headers actually help you out a little bit, right? The next thing is Jesus predicts his death again. So Jesus is telling the people, I am going to die. Pay attention to this small group. And then he goes to his larger group and he says, I'm going to die, right? We see throughout Paul's letters later, he tells us to die, right? We have to die to ourselves, die to our sinful nature, pick up our cross. There's this theme of death that's taking place here. And in this Mark sandwich, we got some death. Jesus says, I'm going to die. We got some death over here. And then in the middle is this random story, which like I said, it can't be random. It's in the Mark sandwich. There's this random story of when the disciples can't cast out a demon. This demon is trying to kill this little boy. And Jesus comes and he casts the demon out instead. So, Let's read this again, and then I'll tell you some of my thoughts. So Mark chapter 9, verse 14 through 29. When they returned the other, <clears throat> to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them, and some teachers of the religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to greet him. So picture this. Jesus is walking up with a couple of disciples. There's this huge crowd. Everyone comes rushing to, to see Jesus as soon as he walks up. They don't even care about the religious leaders that they were probably, you know, oh, about a second ago, right? So Jesus asked, what are you arguing about? Funny, Jesus knows. So why did he ask the question? Uh, what are you arguing about? One of the men in the crowd spoke, teacher, I brought my son so that you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground and he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. So like I said a minute ago, they were just casting out demons. Now here they are and they can't cast out this demon. So Jesus says to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it knew its time was up, right? So it threw the child into a violent convulsion. He fell to the ground, uh, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. Again, Jesus knows, right? And he says, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean, if I can? Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my belief. 
When Jesus saw the crowd of onlookers was saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak, he said, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as uh, through the crowd of people said, He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him up to his feet, and he stood. Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out the evil spirit? And Jesus replied, this kind can only be cast out in prayer. So I have a couple of observations here, but before we do that, there's that specific chunk uh, that Jesus says to them, you faithless people. It's pretty hardcore, right? And that also takes place in Matthew and in Luke, this exact story. And Jesus all three times is pretty pissed. And he's like, you faithless people. Sorry, my wife just looked at me hardcore for saying pissed. I'm sorry. Now I said it twice. Hey. He is ticked off. All right. Jesus is mad. Right, and so it, in fact, so this is so important that the Holy Spirit inspired three authors to write about this part. We're going to get to that. But here's some of my observations. One, they just cast out demons, and now they can't cast them out. And Jesus says, comes out with prayer, and he calls them faithless. Interesting. Another observation. Faith and prayer seem to be used interchangeably here, and you'll see that as I read the other two scriptures. Does prayer build our faith? Think about that. Also interesting, Jesus casts out this demon, and he tells him this, time, this kind can only come out in prayer. But what does Jesus not do when he casts out the demon? He doesn't pray. He says this kind can only come out through prayer. But Jesus didn't pause and pray. So what does that mean? He can't lie. So that means he was prayed up. But Jesus was always in communion with the Father. He showed us what it meant to pray without ceasing, right? He also showed us what it meant to go away into the garden and sit and pray, right? So Jesus models both of these things for us. And he tells his disciples, this kind only comes out with prayer. Also interesting, that would mean that some demons could come out without prayer. Interesting? Just my thoughts. I want you to mull over them because if you don't chew on the scripture yourself, I'm, fail I'm failing you. I'm just saying. So Jesus doesn't pray here. I think it's interesting. I think he's showing us that he stays prayed up at all times, that he is always in community with the Father. But again, we also see him leaving and specifically praying to the Father. And then this thing really stuck out to me. The unbelieving man is shown grace, right? He says, I believe, but help my unbelief. And Jesus then cast the demon out of his son, right? But the disciples, he rebukes them harshly for not being able to do it. Like he's rough with them. But this guy gets grace, but the believers don't get grace here. For having no faith. They both had this issue. They didn't have the faith, right? That's what Jesus says. You faithless people. This guy says, I don't have faith. Help me with my faith. And he helps him. He acknowledges and honors the fact that he 
didn't have full faith, but when he looks at his disciples, he's mad. Where's your faith? So here's two more thoughts, and here's where we really want to sit today. So those are just my thoughts. I want you to chew on those as you go home. But these two I really want to break down. The first one is that Jesus harshly rebukes his disciples for not having faith. He's pretty harsh, like Jesus flipping over the tables in the temple Habad. He's not a happy camper right now. And the second one is that the demon is throwing the boy into fire and water. So first, my first thought here is Jesus putting up with your faith. Where you are right now, take a, take a self-evaluation for a moment. Where's your faith with him? If you are a Christian, if you've already accepted him, then is, are you, is your level of faith continuing to grow? Are you constantly yearning for more and letting him grow this in you? Or is he putting up with your level of faith? Jesus gets big mad here. Big mad. They literally just experienced casting out demons. Now they don't have enough here. And he is, he's big mad. Matthew 17 says it like this. Jesus said, you faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. This is also the same passage where he says that if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, that you can do all things. So he's telling him, you don't even have that level of faith, this tiniest bit. You've done this. You've literally seen it, yet you still don't have faith. Luke 9, again, almost verbatim, you faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you and put up with you? Bring the boy here. Is Jesus putting up with your faith today? That might be hard. I think, I'll be honest, sometimes I think he's putting up with my faith. He wants to do so much more with me, but he's putting up with it. I, I, I thought of it this way as I was mulling through and kind of talking with my wife and talking with some of the guys yesterday. Jesus has the burden of knowledge, right? He knows, he knows how each man that he's looking at dies. He knows how each man that he's looking at is going to change the world and carry this faith into the next generations for 2,000 years. That the words that they would write, the words that they would speak would literally change the world. He has this burden of knowledge and they can't cast out this demon. He's like, how long do I have to put up with this? Like, I know what's coming. I know where you're going to be. But right now you're not there. And can you just, can you just get there? Please? Can you get there now? I would, like, I would like to say that the disciples stopped and said, okay, we'll get there right now. But they don't. It, takes him, it still takes him dying and releasing the Holy Spirit out into them for them to reach the potential that he has for them. It took Jesus' death for them to become believing to where he's no longer putting up with their faith. I don't want Jesus to look back at me and say, man, Tony, that season of your life, I was really putting up with your faith. I want him to look back and be like, oh, the faith you had, Tony. The things we did with that faith that you had in that season. The things I'm trying to believe as I'm speaking on this microphone right now, I'm trying to have faith for my niece. I'm trying to have faith for my mom who's had fibromyalgia for the last 15 years. I'm trying to have faith. 
both my parents are diabetic, so that testimony really spoke to me. I, I, I'm trying to have faith for these things right now. Am I going to say, I believe, but help my unbelief? Or am I going to say, no, I have authority in Jesus' name, and I have faith because of what he did. And so that brings me to this random thing that I never thought I would speak about in my entire life. Shri, what did the demon do to this boy? I never caught this. This is my favorite scripture in all of the Bible, and I never caught this. It says that the demon tried to throw the boy into the water and into the fire to kill him. What are the two things that the Lord baptizes us in? In fire and in water. So do we think that this is insignificant, or do we think maybe it's important? I would argue that it's pretty important. Matthew 3.11, John the Baptist says this, I baptize you with water. I'm sorry. I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I am not worthy to even be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat, being the good from the bad, with his winnowing fork. And he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn and burning the chaff away. And all, what that basically means is he's ready to burn away the parts of you that are, that are trash and keep what's good. That's what he wants to do in fire. So baptism of water, the baptism of water that John speaks about here is a baptism of repentance. The reason that we get dunked in the water isn't to repent. We repent with our mouth, right? but it is a visual, it is the Lord drowning our sinful nature. And when we come up that we are a new creation in him. And that's what we see as we are, are, being, are being baptized in water, in repentance. You are either going to turn away from your sin or you're gonna have to deal with it. Like those are your options. You are either going to die from your sin or you're going to die from your sin. You can die to your sin. I'm done in Jesus' name. I give up this part of my flesh. We were talking yesterday about well, what does it look like? I have a body, I have a soul, and I have a spirit. And, and the Lord gave me this image that our, our, our spirit um, is, is one side of this tug of war, and, and our flesh is this other side. But our soul is in the middle, our mind, our will, and emotions. is that little white piece of tape or spray paint on the middle of that tug of war rope. And it's going to go one way or the other. But where are we going to put the team? Are we going to put the team on the spirit and have them pulling to bring our mind, our will, and emotions over to the Lord? Or is it going to go the other way? Is it going to go into our flesh? Do you want to die from your sin? Or do you want to die to your sin? You can die from your sin. It's called hell. Also, it's called hell on earth. I don't know about y'all, but when I'm a Christian and I'm living in sin, it's hell right here. I don't, I don't need to physically die to wait to feel that. Separation from God after you've had relationship with God is too much. It's too much. So be baptized. Die in the water today. Not just physically as a plug as we talk about coming up uh, at the end of this month, the last Sunday of the month, we are doing baptism. Sign up for that if you haven't been baptized before. But what I encourage you is that we have the opportunity to die in the water daily as we repent, which means turn away from our sin. Sin is missing the mark turn away from it. All right. 
Second, a baptism of fire. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes to the upper room of believers. And the Holy Spirit enters into their lives in that moment. And they all begin to speak in tongues. And it says that they, they had like tongues of fire on him. And we know that through scripture, this is the baptism of fire. And when you allow the baptism of fire, the Holy Spirit to enter your life, it begins to burn away your flesh, the chaff. The Spirit uh, living in you will burn away the bad stuff, the flesh, if you let it. If you let the all-consuming fire that Scripture calls the Lord burn it away, then you will see your entire life turn. You can have a, you can die this side of heaven. Your spirit can die this side of heaven by you quenching it out, leaving it alone, and giving it nothing, and living continually in your flesh. It's like putting it to death. I would rather put my flesh to death and live in the spirit. So I encourage you today. There are spiritual forces, specifically like this demon that tried to throw a boy into fire and water. But I encourage you today instead, throw yourself in the fire and water. With the Lord, throw yourself into repentance. Throw yourself into spirit living. That's, that's what I encourage you to do today. What was the big idea? Healings and miracles come through a repentant life and a spirit-filled life. Be repentant. Be in that water. Drown in the water today. Die in the fire today. Allow him to burn the you away that you know you don't even want. Allow him to burn it away. I am so close. It's literally noon. I'm feeling really good right now. So I just want to pray. And I, and I know that feels weird and unsettled. And I just want the Holy Spirit to settle it as I pray. Sound good? Spirit, you guys stand with me. Spirit, we just ask you to settle these words today. We're talking about miracles. We're talking about seeing miracles in our everyday life. What does it look like to see miracles in our everyday life? I believe it looks like living repentant and allowing your spirit to burn things away so that when... When we see the demon that we have to be prayed up, that we have to have faith, we are prayed up. I pray, Lord, I pray that our prayers would not just be Sunday morning prayers, but I also pray that our prayers wouldn't just be three-hour chunks that we cut out, but, Lord, that we would learn to pray without ceasing as you did, as you lived in, in constant communion with, with all of heaven. I pray that that would be our life that we would live in constant communion with you as we're driving, as we're, as we're showering, as we're, as we're even talking with other people, that we would be praying in our spirit. Lord, I pray that even when we don't have words, we would pray over other people in the spirit. Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.